Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of FanRag Sports Premier League Podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, Polly Questel, and Elliot Niblock. How you doing guys? Pretty good. In Denver, enjoying the smorgasbord of breweries that the city has to offer. Mm, smorgasbord, yeah. <laughs> that I haven't partaken of yet today because I figured that I probably want to be lucid for this podcast. The smorgasbord of weed. <laughs> There's also that, that's for sure. And I'm partaking in the smorgasbord of beverages that my refrigerator has to offer. Uh, it's been a long day, and I'm excited <laughs> to get through this and pick more games correctly than Seb does. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if I'll have better luck this week than I did last week. It wasn't too bad, but. Um, there are 13 weeks of evidence that suggest you won't. <sighs> I've I'd rather have the most games one or two weeks. No, there was one week. One week. <laughs> well, it's always something, right? And it's pronounced smorgasbord. So, there we go. <laughs> you are a resident pronunciation expert. I don't think either Paul or I will doubt that, even if we might doubt that you're going to come back and win the contest by season's end. No, I don't think I'll be able to catch up at this point. Um, well, you both you both seem to insist on calling Jose Mourinho by Jose, even though he's Portuguese, not Spanish, yeah. and it's actually a hard J. Jose. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but I know Smurgos Bud because it's Swedish. Same yeah. as Ombudsman. Wait, say that again? Ombudsman. Um, ombudsman. You know the ombudsman? Yes. The, the guy who just criticizes the media? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else you've adopted from Swedish, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Ikea. Premier League. We adopted Ikea. Yeah, that's true. I might actually go in there tonight. We'll see. Uh, I don't know if we'll have enough time. Maybe some Bed Bath & Beyond. No. No, I mean, it's uh, it's three weeks or so until Christmas, so, I mean, I got to get the the food stuff that I need for a Swedish Christmas smorgasbord. Oh, wait, what is <laughs> Boy, the smorgasbord is really just, like, the theme of this episode, and yep. yet we're only a few minutes in. <laughs> what does is, what is Swedish Christmas entail that American Christmas doesn't? Not that I really know what American Christmas entails either. Okay, well, usually on a Swedish Christmas smorgasbord, uh, we have... Meatballs, of course. We do... Be more stereotypical. Yes. Yeah, no, that, that comes out every holiday. Do those come from Ikea also? No, I'll make my own. Um, <laughs> there's a sausage called Prince Sausage, which is like a smaller-sized uh, Wiener sausage, if you know what a Wiener sausage is. I don't. I'll just pretend okay. I do. So okay. if you if you make it in the U.S. instead of Sweden, is it the sausage formerly known as Prince? No, I, oh, <laughs> God. so couldn't help myself. Yeah, couldn't help myself. So you do those. Uh, you do that. You do. Uh, usually we have smoked salmon. Um, we do. So be- you still do the fish thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a Christmas thing. Yeah, pickled herring also on all holidays. So a couple of different uh, t- types Her- of pickled I herring. Herring was a Jewish thing. No. Only people I know that eat herring are Jews. No, Swedish people too. <laughs> yep. Uh, the best wh- part about Christmas is the day after Christmas, which is Boxing Day, because we get a full slate of Premier League action, and boom, we're back on the Premier League. I just got us back on topic. Hey, well segued. Well segued. Okay, we'll see. If you want to know more about what's on the Swedish Christmas smorgasbord, just uh, shoot me Deb a. Norton, I'm sorry. Just Deb shoot me a tweet. 
Yeah, no, it's just Sebnor in one word. Oh, yeah, right. Um, Sebnor. Yeah, you don't even follow me. Boo. All right. Boo on you. Okay, let's get into the games. Manchester City, Chelsea. That's the first one we'll talk about. That's the early game on Saturday. League leaders, Chelsea. Premature. Man- oh, you don't follow me. There we go. Go check your Twitter. Yeah, I just saw it. Um, Chelsea, top of the table, 31 points. City, one point behind in third. And um, this has the makings of a good one. Or a blowout. Oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't I don't think either of these teams is going to get blown out. But it could. It could happen. I mean, I, you know, we've talked a lot about Man City's defensive issues, and I don't think that they've exactly been resolved, but I don't see... I don't see Chelsea hitting them for like four or something. Chelsea might score. I think the largest margin this could possibly be would be three goals, which would be remarkable. Like Chelsea could win three nil, but I'm just saying it could happen. I would love for this. There's a non-zero chance. Yes. I would love for this game to end like the Swansea crystal palace game. That would be amazing. I know. I know. I'm a, I'm a staunch anti-MLS support, anti-MLS guy. Did you guys see that Eastern Conference final? Nope. I mean, Seb, I I apologize for you because that was... I'm not going to say it was a great soccer game, but for two and a half hours because of extra time, there were few things that will entertain you more. Yeah, I just saw Um, highlights of it on Facebook, basically. I don't know if you could call it soccer, but... (laughs) You can call it soccer, if, just not if football. If you like things that resemble soccer, uh, <laughs> it was absolutely – both legs, both legs were fantastic. They were entertaining. They were just goals galore. There was absolutely no defending. So, I mean, these are the two best teams the Eastern Conference has to offer, and there are MLS fans who just keep trying to tell me, oh, the defending's not that bad, and – Right, like I understand that it's not that bad because in order to have bad defending, you have to have some defending, and there was literally no defending in either of these two games. But it was fantastic; it was so entertaining to watch, and the goals just kept coming. And uh, it was interesting that like my girlfriend showed up like at my apartment like five, no, right, sometime during extra time, and like. You look at the score, and the score's 5-2 Toronto, and you have to explain, like, yeah, but it's in extra time because... So, like, that got interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one team that is good at defending, that's Chelsea. They've allowed one goal in their last seven Premier League games. What a segue. Yeah. They, uh... you, know why? you know why they're good at, at defending? Because they pluck the only guys worth that can defend out of the MLS. That's why the MLS can't defend because their actual good center backs go over to Chelsea yeah. to learn how to defend better. Mm-hmm. So they defeated Tottenham two to one last um, on match day thirteen, and that was the first goal they gave up in seven games. So uh, we'll see if they. It was can... a great goal though. Yeah, Christian Eriksen got the goal for Spurs. That was a nice one. Uh, we'll see if they can get back to keep another clean sheet. They will have to fight off Sergio Aguero, who's in fine form. He is in the lead in the scoring race together with Chelsea's Diego Costa. They have 10 goals each. So um, we'll see who comes out on top in that one. Uh, Pauly, do you think Chelsea has what it takes to beat City on the road? 
I absolutely hope so, uh, which sucks. Uh, now I have to shower again today. Um, but yeah, and it's it's twofold. It's one, Chelsea can beat anybody anywhere at this point. They are good enough, and there's no team that's that dominant that, like, if you could say, well, we're at least we're at home, and that will work in our favor. I mean, obviously, it'll work in your favor, but at this point in time, since the switch to the new formation, Chelsea are that good, um, and they're playing well enough to do it. The other thing is, is since September, for the second year in a row, Manchester City have done nothing to convince me otherwise. Not, there's not, they've done nothing to convince me that there isn't a team that they can't beat 5-0, and while at the same time that there isn't a team that's so like even when they play bad teams, it's, well, you can't convince me that City won't play down to their opponents enough that somehow that team gets a draw. Mm. I, I don't think they can beat Chelsea 5 well, no. No, well, on their day, like they could. All right, what yeah, I meant was I, I, like, hear, I hear you know, what you're saying. You know, like, Chelsea are an when Crystal Palace show up to, if if Crystal Palace were showing up to the Etihad, you could tell me City are going to win this game five 0 and I'd be like, yeah, probably. Or you could tell me that City are going to play down to their level, and it's going to be a one-one draw, and I'd be like, yeah, there's an equal opportunity of that happening because City are just they're not consistent, and it, it's the same thing every year. And again, the. I said this at the beginning of the year. I said, Sergio Aguero, you said Zlatan's going to score a lot of goals. Uh, Diego Costa's going to score a lot of goals. I said, I hope Zlatan scores a lot of goals, but no matter what, Sergio Aguero scoring more goals than him. And you said 30 for Zlatan. I said 35 for Aguero. And then I said, maybe he's going to get 45 the way he started the season. He's on 10, which is really good at this point in the season. He's probably on pace to score 30. Yeah, he's on pace to score 30. Mm-hmm. But he should be scoring more. There's, I mean, there's just no reason that he doesn't have more goals. This team is so damn talented, and he's the kind of guy that can score special goals, uh, and he's the kind of guy that can just clean up the garbage in front of the net like he did twice last week. Yeah. So it's just it's unbelievable how they don't win every game because they are so talented, and it's so weird. I, it's every year they have this issue that they aren't beating teams, and last year it was – it was all down to Vincent company this year. They've never really had company and they've actually been remarkably healthy and they just still aren't winning games and it's odd. So yeah, Chelsea can easily go into the Etihad and beat them. If we look at the month of November for city, they kicked it off by beating Barcelona three to one, but then they got a one, one draw at home against Middlesbrough. Then, exactly. That's, that's then they, exactly the problem. With yeah. Them. Then they beat Crystal Palace two to one. They drew away to Borussia Mönchengladbach 1-1, and then they beat Burnley last week 2-1. And a game that they shouldn't have even won. They should not have won that game last week. Now, Burnley played a lot. They played well in that one. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll get to our predictions later, but uh, I think I know where we're leaning on that one. Burnley, segue, they play on the road against Stoke. Stoke. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I. That's an interesting I, one. I really thought that Stoke were getting things going, but then they sort of dropped back off again. Burnley, they still looking for that first road win. And, yeah, this is, this is a tough one, actually. It shouldn't be. Because if you're just looking up and down the lineup, Stoke should win this. 
Yeah, no, I mean, but that's been their that's been their story all season. Is just like on paper they should win many more games than they have been, mm-hmm. and I I don't think that I don't think that you can call them clear favorites in this. I think you can call them marginal favorites, and I I do think that they are, um, especially especially given the fact that they're playing at home, right? Yeah. I, I I you've got to favor them in this, but. You know, similar to Manchester City, albeit not with nearly as much quality as City have, but you know, nonetheless, like also a strong lineup that you just can't pick no matter what because they have that ability to just not show up, and that's not the kind of ability that you want to be proving that you have in the season. But lo and behold, they have. Yeah, they squeezed out a one nothing win on the road against Watford last week, uh, but before that, they had a loss at home to Bournemouth and a draw on the road against West Ham. All right. I have a question. Factor in, before I answer this, factor in, I am like one and a half drinks deep and I've had a long week. My brain is mush. (laughs) All right, fair. When you factor in that, like, you know, the, the Premier League at this point is just printing money in whatever they do. All the clubs have money. They can buy play. There's no such thing as a poor club in the league anymore. Any any team can just buy players from any other country. They don't have to sell their stars anymore. Is the Premier League kind of becoming like the NFL where just like everybody kind of sucks? Because Stokes should be a lot better well, than they no, are. No, 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 no. The, the corollary of that being that no one can utterly dominate. I, I think well, that's probably that, a better way that's, to put it. That's, nobody can utterly – well, yeah, nobody can utterly dominate because the league is too deep. But at the same time, like there's – those those teams that are good, they all kind of suck. Like Stoke should be really good, and they're not. And West Ham should be really good, and they're not. Like, well, so yeah, just... maybe maybe you're onto a better angle than I am. My angle, yeah, your angle makes more sense, Elliot. Now that I think about it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's going to be like, well, like this. it's. I'm not far fetched in saying that yeah. like they're kind of becoming the NFL. Uh, well, well I, yeah, I think you got a okay. So you got a top layer with. I'm going to count the top five as the top layer right now. Yeah. Those are the clubs. I mean, Manchester United should be in there, but whatever. They're not right now. Um, so hard to even say they should be. <laughs> yeah. I, no, but I mean, if you just look at the stature of the club and all that stuff and the players they bought yeah, and the money they spent. Um, but you got sort of the... We're essentially included in that in that top echelon the same way that the Cowboys are included in the top echelon of NFL teams no matter whether they're good or not. Like, mm. obviously, this year's a bad example because they're good, but every year they're thrown in there as like, oh, they're the favorite because they're the Cowboys, when really it's like, well, if you dig deeper, it's not such a good team. Yeah, so you got that upper echelon teams. They're going to be really, really good. They're going to, you know, win a handedly majority of all their games. But then the middle part, I think, you know, between 6th and 15th, really, or 16th even, that's going to be a lot – you're going to have a lot more uh, parity there, and you're going to see yeah. a lot of the teams there be pretty good. But since we got that parity, it might be constructed, if you're a negative person like you are, Pauly, that they're bad, that they're not Again, very good. I'm a Mets fan. Yeah, I know. And then you're going to have – then you're going to have your teams at the bottom that truly are poor. Unfor- unfortunately, I this yes. in one section yesterday, but yesterday the Mets announced like, oh, tomorrow Jacob deGrom will be available. Their pitcher will be available for the media. And every Mets fan on Twitter was like, oh, no, this can only be bad. What's going on? 
and I wanted to get like a whole list of them in a row and just screenshot it and send it to you, like being like, it's not only me, but it just didn't work out that way. Um, here's the difference though. Like, again, if we were watching, if we were watching Stoke play really well and just lose because Crystal Palace played better, um, that's one thing, but it's just like, they go out there and they play one way the next one week and then they look like a terrible team the following week. So it's not so, so yeah, I want to believe like the parody thing because the parody, yeah, between six and 15, it's very hard to distinguish between those teams. Um, and I guess there's a certain amount of luck, you know, to West Ham last year. West Ham did so well. And I think part of what we forget is that they did so well because Dimitri Pyatt scored a lot of goals on free kicks. And yeah. if you don't get those free kicks, which is which starts from a referee's decision and ends with the execution of the free kick. If you're not getting those, that's a lot of points that may or may not happen anymore. Yeah. But I mean, but, you can, you can always draw parallels. Is, my concern is there's just a lot of games where you don't watch that and you don't say like, Oh, that game ended one, one because of a heroic goalkeeper performance or because they defended so well. It's like you watch that game and you go, that game ended 1-1 because neither team could get anything going on offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think that maybe the answer lies somewhere in like, perhaps a dearth of really quality managers, right? And like the the Claudio Ranieri's who can take I'm a the- group of players and make them play you know, above themselves as a unit, right? I'm, see, I counter that because if you look, and, and I looked into this like a month ago when I was – you know, in my look, Jose Mourinho's incredibly overrated thing. If you look at the managers that were managing in the Premier League 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, the managers on the list uh, that are managing in the Premier League now, the list is much more impressive. Mm-hmm. It's much deeper. I mean, go back 10 years ago, you had Fergie, you had Wenger, you had Mourinho, and then you had like Harry Redknapp and Rafa Benitez and I mean are those people that you're jumping out of your seats for? Now you're now you have you have Mourinho if you're still gonna include him on that list. He shouldn't even be on it. Okay, but you have uh Pep Guardiola, wherever he sits, he sits. Um you have Conte, who's doing a great job. You have Jurgen Klopp, who I think is the best manager in the world. Yeah. When you factor in everything like his the way he handles the media, excitement, all that stuff. Um what I want, like, you know, how his team plays. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino did a great job with Tottenham. Ronald Coleman has done a great job with Southampton. Um, Claudio Ranieri just won the league. I mean, look at the, the manager list goes so much deeper now that, no, I would argue that they're better managers than there were before. Mm-hmm. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe has been a great job. And if you look at, all right, so let's look at England. England's got a dearth of center backs. They're, they have... Like, look at their national team. It's Stones, and it's Jagielka, and it's Cahill, and it's I like Spalling, Cahill. And- I've got a lot of time for Cahill. Who's next on the list? Phil Jones? There's no good English center backs. Most teams in in international football don't really have center backs. Like, so there's a dearth of center backs. There's a dearth of fullbacks. So it's not that we're – it's not that the world is just producing – world-class defenders and they all happen to be in the premier league so it's impossible for anybody to attack anymore that's not the case it really is just more on a lack of it like the lack of attacks that are coming down yeah but that that goes in waves too i mean it does it's just i and and look there's like great mark arnautovic had a great season last year 
but where has he been this year? Yeah, but you're always going to have things like that. I mean, just look, you know, if we make a comparison to another sport in hockey, you're, you're always going to have that one team that's just PDO crazy and just upsets the whole balance. And you're like, where did they come from? And then the next year, they're, you know, nowhere to be found. It, sort of like Leicester. Leicester is the perfect right. example of that. They had, they got the maximum out of every single player last season. And they had a lot of luck. Right. So their regression makes sense. Yes. And their regression also makes sense in that they're having a lot of the ball this year because people also are making sure that they have a lot yes, of the ball. Exactly. In the Champions League, they don't have a lot of the ball. They're being successful. Yep. And they're being hit on counterattacks this year, which they weren't. They didn't get hit on last year. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's one thing. It's The other thing is, it, we're entering December now. Are we finally starting to see the effects of the fact that players just don't get breaks? We're in a post-Euros season where they also had an extra Copa America. So pretty, so all the South Americans, all the South Americans played in the World Cup. Then the following summer they played in the Copa America, and then the final, and then the following summer they played in another Copa America. Uh, and the Europeans just played in the Euros. Are the players just getting too tired? I mean, it could be. I, I think fatigue is definitely a part of it. Um, I'm not I sure. Mean, I, I'm still. I still don't want Europe. them to do. I still don't want them to do a, a a winter break. But at the same time, yeah, you can see of some, some players. I, I, some players like like a Dimitri Payet, who played a very long season, had some trouble with injuries. Yeah, he's not really been up to snuff, but he's not the main problem for West Ham. Well, their problem, is, their problem has always been everybody else. He was just bailing them out. Yeah. This, so this... Dimitri, Dimitri Payet for West Ham last year was essentially Landon Donovan and, and Quinn Dempsey for the U.S. between 2006 and 2011. Was The U.S. was... People forget this. The U.S. was not a good team. They just had a bunch of guys that ran around, worked hard, played well, and they relied on Landon Donovan and Quinn Dempsey to do magical things to bail them out and win them games, which happened yeah, more often than not. I, it was I such go, a great team. Uh, I, and that's West Ham right now. I, so I agree with you, but I want to I go back to the issue of overly fatigued players in winter break, especially as, you know, now this is our first show that we're recording in December. And I think... It to me because the counter argument against a winter break in England is oh the history you know and Paulie like you said already we love having games on Boxing Day right okay you can still have games on Boxing Day and then even if you insist and have games on New Year's Day and play that short week and then take at least a week off then right and I know that there's an international break coming up not that long after that. But who cares, right? No, no, I, no, no. There's an, the next international break is at the end of March. I really thought there was one in early February. No, no. no the U.S. just plays games then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, because I think that you can preserve that those historic games while then also giving players a break of at least a week, if not two, but at least right. a week in like, the dead of winter in England. Like it's it it just it's bonkers that they don't do that. That's exactly what I was going to suggest in that what if you – because they say, all right, Boxing Day and then the New Year's Day game. And then that first that first weekend is the third round of the FA Cup, which 
uh, I don't, I'm not advocating getting rid of that. That's my favorite weekend of the year. Um, what if you just did in, you know, for three weeks in January, you just said, all right, we're only going to play the cup games. Like, so you'll, you'll do boxing day and you'll do new year's Eve. And then everybody will go and they'll play in the third round of the FA cup. And the following week is off. And if you're playing in the league cup, you still play. And the following week, there's no league games. Then you play the FA cup fourth round. And then, I don't know, maybe the next week you're back or maybe the next week's off again. Well, and- they do have what, depending on who you are, but between match day 20 and 21, you you can have as much as 12 days off. As much as 12, but like just, you know, give some sort of a of a longer term break because – Again, what what screwed over Liverpool last year was the fact that like every three days in January and February they had games. Mm-hmm. That team had a game every day. Now part of that was because they couldn't beat Exeter City and they had to go to an FA Cup replay on that. You yeah. know they played the maximum amount of games that they could have played in January, but just give them just give the league a day off and maybe maybe just maybe think about going down to eighteen teams like all the other teams and then you could still do your your holiday season but you take a little bit of a break in january you could still play the cup games but you could still take a break in january because you have four less games to worry about so you'll make them up in midweek games later in the season or maybe you don't even have to do that and you get that break the players are rested this will probably help out the english national team especially since all of their players play in england Never going to happen, though. Think about? Never going to happen. Too much money. Too much money. Yeah, yeah they, they can't shrink it by two teams. It's no. just, no. No. Um, I mean, but, but the but thing if is... if you shrink that, it by two teams, that's more money in the pot for the 18 teams. I feel like a combination of path of least think about resistance that. and, like, greed and concern with profit is what makes the, you know, what makes the FA loath to have a winter break but also you've got to think about it in the long term and the quality of your product right like if all the best players in your league are getting injured because you're running players who come from you know mediterranean climates into the ground playing in england throughout the entire winter then is that really good for your long-term product that you're selling no it's not wait a minute is it a like is there a loss of money for the fa because remember the fa isn't making their money isn't making their money by who walks into the stadium. Mm-hmm. They're not making money because 12,000 people bought tickets to go see Burnley at Turf Moor. They're making their money off the TV contract. The TV yeah. contract makes is only making money based on how many games they could show. So if you have 18 teams, which is nine games a week, instead of 20 games, instead of 10 games a week, you're not losing a TV. They're not taking away a TV slot. It's just... You know, there's just one fewer 10 o'clock on Saturday game. You're still playing five games on TV. So the TV contract doesn't necessarily go down. And now, you know, for argument's sake, let's say, um, let's say you make $1 billion at the end of the year. That $1 billion is now being split by 18 clubs rather than 20. So you're still make so you're actually making more money. Wouldn't you be? And I mean, if, if you're a Burnley or if you're a Sunderland, yeah, you don't want to go down to 18 teams. But if you're United, Chelsea, City, Everton, Tottenham, you know, wouldn't you want to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we are heading into the busy period here. Um, we got games, yeah, this weekend. 
and then we got next weekend, and then we got midweek, weekend, midweek. So, uh, I mean, I like it. And yeah, I, it's, and I mean, it's and I mean, they're they're the only show in town there during the holiday break. So for the other, you know, when Germany goes on their break and Spain goes on their break and Italy goes on their break, so I can see why they don't want to change anything. But yeah, it could have a an adverse effect on the teams that play in Europe. It could have an adverse effect on a national team. But hey, it is what it is. Should we talk about the game though, Stoke Burnley? Yeah, we probably should. Yeah, <laughs> we did talk about Stoke. Let's talk yeah, about the let's next talk about game. let's talk about Burnley. They're doing pretty well. They're in thirteenth place. We talked about this game already. We didn't talk about Burnley. We only talked about yeah. Stoke. Yeah, we they're talked good. about Stoke and then everything in between having to do with EPL. Really good at Turf Moor, not so good away from Turf Moor. Next. <sighs> yeah, I think I think even with Burnley's. Uh, yeah, because obviously they're pleased with where they are on the table right now, oh, yeah. as you said, Seth. But I, I still think you've got to take Stoke in this game. Yeah. Okay. Then we'll move on. Then I guess the late game on Saturday—that's West Ham against Arsenal at the London Stadium. Uh. Yep. And Andy Carroll is fit for a fight. Ooh. Even more reason to not worry about Arsenal getting a delayed November reaction. Yeah, actually, all he's going to do is be vandalizing cars outside of the stadium that have Arsenal stickers in the windows. Oof. I do want to know what kind of hairstyle he serves up. <laughs> so, West Ham, they're coming off a 4-1 to loss to Manchester United in the EFL Cup quarterfinals midweek. Um, Pauly, how did you think that what was the problem for West Ham in that game? Uh, they played. They played against United in a non-league match where Jose Mourinho couldn't be on the touchline. You didn't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that one a little bit later on. We'll talk United, but uh, yeah, injuries to both um, Aaron Cresswell and Mikel Antonio. I'm not sure if they'll be back for the game against Arsenal. Uh, so let's say they're both out. That's a big blow for West Ham. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, the, (sighs) use your words. Yes. So I don't know if you guys saw this. Oh yeah. They're both out. Well, I'm, I'm thinking more of Arsenal's lineup, but, Santi Cazorla was confirmed that he has to go undergo surgery. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be out for another three months. Yes. And that's a problem for Arsenal. Yeah. And we've just been, and I feel like we've in many ways just been begging for his return. You know, like I said in our last episode that the, even when Arsenal are playing fluidly and well in attack, it looks like it's just, two players passing the ball back and forth. It's like Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, practically. You know, it's just those two guys. It's Alexis and Ertzel back and forth playing one-twos and seeing who can play the other one in, effectively. Who's Jordan and who's Pippen? Wait, wait. That's a good question. And they're trying to play the other one in? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm not – all right. I, Sorry. But uh, I'd, I'd love to see two of our guys 
pass the ball, be, be tw- try to play another <laughs> one in instead of just passing the ball back and forth to each other stagnantly. Okay, touche. But I, but it's, I mean, the absence of Santi Cazorla is a huge blow to this team, and I think that part of it is just, I, I, I don't think that Aaron Ramsey has settled in his role. Our our midfield just is like. We've got a lot of quality, but there are a lot well, what, of questions. Here's, here's the question. What is Aaron Ramsey's role? I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's a fine question, right? Holding midfielder, he's clearly – I think he's both more comfortable and probably better in a central creative role, but he can play defensive midfield. And now with El Elneny out and with Cazorla out – because I, so here's the, the the essence is that Santi Cazorla can play a deep-lying midfield role and then – pretty seamlessly transition into a creative attacking role in a way that I just think that Ramsey feels kind of schizophrenic when he's asked to do that. And Cazorla can move forward fluidly, and Ramsey just for some reason is not nearly as effective in attack when he's playing deep, even when he's pushing so, up in attack. You're, so what you're saying is the problem is, is that Ramsey's the kind of player that can do it all on a team that's not designed to have players that can do it all. And that's, I think, and I, and I don't think that's so much an Arsenal problem. I think that's like a league-wide problem. And this, again, and it comes down to, this is what I always say, I hate these, I hate this 4-2-3-1 formation, and I hate how specialized the games become where it's, you're a defensive midfielder, and you're an attacking midfielder, and it's, whatever happened to, you're a winger, you get up and down the, the, side, the touch lines, and you attack, and you track back, and you're uh, a forward. You make life difficult for the defenders to pass the ball out of the back, but you also run and make life difficult for the midfielders. And the central midfielders is you get forward and get your ass into the box to to provide support, but one of you stays back. Nowadays, we have to have two guys staying back, and that forces one of the forwards to become you know, your attacking midfielder, who's now labeled as the attacking midfielder. So he's a midfielder, but his job isn't really to defend. And there's too many guys that are like, you're an attacker, you don't defend. And because he doesn't defend, you have to spend, you know, somebody else has to spend their life defending and they can't really push up into the attack. Yeah, and Ramsey's in. the kind of guy, Ramsey and Pogba, you know, these are the kind of guys that you want them running up and down the field because they can defend. They can tackle. They can do things. They can make passes. So you want them doing that, but they could also be very useful up the field. So you want them up the field, and it's, well, it's somehow, somehow this game be, became a we have to play them in one spot or the other instead of in a position where they can do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just – I think that – uh, in terms of what, well, in terms of this game specifically, and in terms of Arsenal going forward, it's just it's going to be hard. I, I don't know. Also, if you guys saw, but El Nenny, I didn't see the game because um, I was traveling from Chicago. But the uh, the game on Wednesday when Arsenal crashed out of the EFL Cup against oh, Southampton, and they mailed it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They totally mailed it in, but they mailed it in and managed to get somebody injured injured in the process because Arsenal. Um, but El Nenny is now out. And with El Nini out, then Ramsey's going to end up playing in that role all that much more. And I, it's just I, I never, I never thought I would say coming into this season, although I probably should have seen it coming, that it would not be insane 
for Arsene Wenger to buy a midfielder in January. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bring Wiltshire back. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. He he probably won't, though, but we'll see. I don't know. I mean, again, I, I think that this is a game that because of all the things that we've said about Payet being um, overly, re- like, Melissa being overly reliant on Dimitri Payet and then also their woes at home, although maybe they're figuring them out as they get more violent there, though I don't want to suggest or certainly not support that corollary. But you Arsenal need to go in and take all three points, but you can't totally assume that they're going to do that, right? Yeah. Well, no, I don't assume Arsenal are going to do anything at this time of the year other than essentially, inevitably fall flat in some game, somewhere, somehow. Hey, we're out of November, though. It's December, guys. You did. You, you made it. But December's never not like a shining star for you either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the thing is that generally in the winter, we... I don't want to rely on history, though. I want to believe that it's going to be different. But when I look at our team and, you know, Lucas's performance against Southampton at midweek was maybe not woeful, but certainly not convincing. You know, as we've talked about on this show, Giroud is a big target man who misses a ton of headers. And, yeah, he holds up the ball really well, but he's not exactly a world-class striker. You know, it. God, I hate to say it, and I know, Paula, you're going to tease me about it, but Danny Welbeck's return may make or break the next couple months for Arsenal. Hmm. Nope, staying quiet. Ah, ah, look at that. Good squad player. But also, we just had our manager do a complete 180 on Bastion Schweinsteiger. Yes, and we'll, we'll get to that one right now as uh, we'll talk Everton against Manchester United on Sunday and United 4-1 win over West Ham and late in that game Bastian Schweinsteiger came off the bench to a roar from the fans oh yeah of course because Old Trafford is pissed yeah I mean that was a great reception for him here's the question were we we like really happy to see Bastian Schweinsteiger or were we just like really happy that it was like Hey Jose, you're a moron. Like, why did you ever exile this guy to the? Uh, like, why did you exile this guy to the reserves? You were an idiot for doing so, and now you're just being proven wrong because he's worked his way back into the team. Or was it? Oh my God, Bastian Schweinsteiger's here. No, it's the former. I mean, it's the latter. I think it's the latter. I think if Victor Valdez came off the bench <laughs> like last year, he would have gotten the same. The same applause just well, because Louis Van Hall was an asshole for the way he treated him. Valdez, no, not the same. Um, Dude, it's not like Valdez lost his skill. He's still proving himself. What did Valdez do that all of a sudden Louis Van Hall just decided, you know what? Go F yourself. Yeah, that is weird. I think that they had a personal. He so he would have gotten the same the same applause that, that Schweinsteiger it, it was. I think that that was a personal beef between Valdez and uh, Louis. Um, and how is it not personal between Mourinho and Schweinsteiger? What did Schweinsteiger do to deserve to get... To oh, he, he didn't do anything to deserve that. I, I think it's weird. Even though that he's not a part of Mourinho's plans, he should still be allowed to to train with the first team. What Jose team. Mourinho did to him was disgusting, and the yes. fact that United allowed it to happen 
is so Sad. concerning is, all right, you're not part of your plans. Sell the guy. Just sell him. Just sell him. Okay. No one wants to buy him. Fine. But like, so don't have him train there. With the, like what you're talking about a, a world cup winner. And you're saying, oh, I don't want him with my first teamers. He's going to poison the squad. How is he going to poison them with, with advice, with valuable expertise? Yeah, no, that is really weird. And I, I think that Schweinsteiger has taken the high road through all of this. I, I mean, Bastian Schweinsteiger for the last four months deserves a medal. The biggest round of applause ever. Uh, you know, every accolade that you could give to a player for the way he's handled this. Yes. It's weird that like he posts selfies in weird places all the time. <laughs> like, that's kind of weird. And then like, but then like, you know, you see him on, on Sunday, he shows up and he posts a selfie in the stands of old Trafford. And yep. it's like, it's so weird that like, like what ties do you like that? You're so supportive of this club that you don't really have ties to like, it's not like, it's not like you're just on the outskirts of Bayern Munich because you're injured. It's like, you came here for six million pounds because Bayern Munich was done with you. Yeah. Our manager kind of, kind of took a dump on you last year, and this year it's even worse. And like you're still being supportive of the club. Like what? I mean, true what, professional. Yeah, that is true professional in every sense of the word. And now Mourinho's being like, well, maybe he's gonna play a role the rest of the season, and we might not let him leave in January. It's yeah. like, dude, let him go to MLS and ride out his career by making way too much money while he all of a sudden realizes, wait, I have to fly on a plane and play in 85 degree weather on AstroTurf. Like, geez, this sucks. Like let him realize that and like do that. Like, look, I, I think he got the raw end of the deal. Uh, and I think he can contribute to this team, but like we owe it to him to like, let him do whatever he wants. Yes. Yeah. If he wants to leave in January, let him go. If he wants to stay, eh, let him stay. But like he should, I mean, he should play because he certainly offers brings more to the table than Marwan Fellaini. Yes, uh, anything offers more. I also more. think there's like an element of like he made the you know he played in in the last game because like Mourinho had to sit in the stands and Mourinho just didn't want to be. So instead of having Schweinsteiger <laughs> sit in the stands with Mourinho, he was like, go sit on the bench and actually run around on the field. Yeah. <laughs> So it was actually just an extremely elaborate continuation of the feud by getting him out onto the pitch to keep him like, Oh, I have to be here. So you go there. (laughs) Mm, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, then now I'm not convinced, but I mean, he has lost a step. He's never been a fast player, but he's lost a step. And you know, if, if, when it's all said and done, yeah, he should probably not start, but I don't see a problem with him sitting on the bench. I, and I, Definitely don't see a problem with him being around the first team squad, training with the first team squad, and help the younger players and, and develop. Offering expertise. Yeah, and I mean he has advice. so he has so much in that head of his, and he's been, you know, he's won basically everything. So right. why why not use that? But um, he may not be a fast player, but neither is Michael Carrick. So true. Like it, it, my thing is all right. Like obviously, just please God, never start Carrick and Schweinsteiger <laughs> together. Uh, we saw what happened. Yeah. Last time that happened, I think that was the last time that happened. Um, Elliot probably remembers that day pretty fondly. Um, <laughs> but like, if Carrick can't play, like don't drop Pogba back into that role. Keep Pogba in the role that he's in. 
keep Onda Herrera in the role that he's in and just, you know, play Schweinsteiger there. Like, you have, you can surround him with players like Onda Herrera or Paul Pogba or even Anthony Martial who can do the running for him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, Fergie always attributes the success of why Skulls and uh, Giggs were able to play so long is because they played, they, they stood on the field and they just had other players do the running for them. Like, you know, Rooney, like Rooney was the ultimate team player. He just ran everywhere. That's why he has no gas anymore. Like it's because Rooney had to do Ronaldo's running for him. He had to do Giggs's running for him. He had to cover for Skulls. He had to cover for everybody. I mean, yeah, Giggs, I mean, at the start, Giggs was the pace he won. He ran a lot and then yeah. he sort of, you know, stepped back as he got older. And then they also had Keen who worked a lot and Nicky Butt came in and he was just like a dynamo. We've but if you seen... think about the latter part of Giggs' career, the end, yeah. like, yeah, they talked him inside sometimes, mm-hmm. but there were also times where they had to play him on the wing and it was just like, okay, Rooney just, like, you played on the wing. So, like, when we were attacking, Rooney was in the middle, you were on the left. And when we had to get back, like, Rooney just came back on a diagonal and picked up the left side for you. Mm-hmm. The same way he did it when Ronaldo was out on the left or on the right. Like, it's just they had other players just doing the running for them, and you could do that with Schweinsteiger. Yeah. And then they also had an excellent left back in Patrice Evra. Yeah. Man, uh, yeah. he was good. And center backs. Oh, I mean, yeah, they yeah. had the defenders. But... <gasps> yep. And now they have Matteo Darmian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they so... still have Luke Shaw and... Yeah, but I'm still, I'm, still, I'm still waiting <laughs> for Luke Shaw to get back into his best. And it seems like Mourinho doesn't really trust him. And I think that's that's a very big, that's a big problem. Look, I still trust him as their best left back. Yes. And only because, look, I, it's it's an interesting situation. It's because you almost want Daly Blind on the field because he's such a smart player. And I, I actually, I was walking home from work the other day, and I realized that Daly Blind is our new John O'Shea. Mm. He could play a whole bunch of different positions. You want him on the field because he's a smart player. But, like, wherever you put him, you're just like, eh, like, he has one fatal flaw for this position. Like, for O'Shea, like, on the outsides, it's like, well, you're terribly slow. And that's Daily Blind, too. And if you play him in the middle, it's like, well, you're kind of short and you have mental lapses. So, and, like, and then you play him as a midfielder and it's like, well, you're terribly slow. But, like, he has a, he's a great passer. He works hard. He reads the game so well. You, like... I do trust Luke Shaw as a left back more than I trust Daly Blinn, but I'd have no problem with uh, if, if, especially if Eric Bailly is hurt or if Smalling was hurt with playing Daly Blinn as a center back next to Phil Jones. I'd, I'd trust Daly Blinn more than I trust Marcos Rojo back there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mar- I, but we've talked about this before. Marcos Rojo should not be in the team. And yet he's playing his way back in it. Yeah, it's it's weird. These United players, they just they know what to do. It's like it's like when Van Hall took over the team and he was like Valencia and Ashley Young, like you guys are out the door and they had a great preseason to save their careers. Mm-hmm. And it's like Marcos Rojo is playing really well right before the transfer window opens. And as soon as that thing c- closes, oh my god, it's gonna be a disaster. Yeah. We should say that Eric Bailly is back in training. Um <laughs> so Mourinho said he'll be, he'll back, be back before the end of the in year. time to go to the Africa Cup of Nations. I really <laughs> wish they could stop him from going. Oh, I know. I, I, I really feel, wish you know that. What? This, is, this is a what goes around comes around situation. Because first of all, I feel like the African Cup of Nations happens every two years. 
Um, I don't know how often it actually happens, but it's annual. it's annual. No, it's not annual. No, it's like every three or four years actually. But no. It feels like every. I was a big time laugher at Chelsea when when Mourinho was there and they lost all their players like Drogba and Solomon Kalou and John Obi Mikel and that's probably all the players that they actually lost, but it seemed like a lot more. So yeah, it is this is like two, yeah, it's every two years. Yes, this is like a what goes around comes around situation. Mm-hmm. It's every two years. That's way too often. Yeah. 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 I mean. Yeah. Says the people who represent a CONCACAF team. Well, yeah, and also the thing is that whereas we come from, like, the paragon of the first world among CONCACAF nations, like, drumming up money for host nations in Africa, it's really, it's kind of harder to fault them for that, considering Harvard's, G- like, Harvard's endowment is more than the GDP of a lot of the nations competing in this tournament. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not that, like, most of those CONCACAF teams even see a gold cup, but... <laughs> yeah, touche. Again, mm-hmm. like... You have you have a twelve team tournament because you don't have sixteen teams that can compete in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk Everton. Uh, not the best of form. They got pummeled by Chelsea five nothing. Then they got a one one draw at home against Swansea, and then last week they lost one nothing to Southampton. Yeah, no, I think Everton. It comes down to they. Ross Barkley is just not as good as we thought he would be. And it's disappointing for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is something that just gets, you know, you built your team around the guy, and why wouldn't you? He was so promising. He was supposed to be so good. And yeah. England was relying on him. He never really got a fair England, uh, England shot, but ultimately he's just not turning out to be the way it is. And that might also have to do with the fact that, you know, um, how old is he right now? How old is Ross Barkley? 22. 22. 22. I think. So, Let me double check. Since he was, since he was 18? He um, turns 23 on the 5th. So since he was 18 or since he was 17, 18, he's had three different managers? That's never going to help a young player. Yeah. It's 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 unfortunate. It, I, I, I wish... Americans would take notice of the Ross Barkley failure because, you know, it's, it would be nice for Americans to like realize that, Hey, some, you know, it's not just American America where young players don't work out. It happens everywhere. Cause there are still Americans that, uh, that think that like look back on Jurgen Klinsmann selecting Julian green to the world cup and being like, wasn't Julian green supposed to be the savior and the next big thing. And it's like, dude, the guy's still 21 years old. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm so like, I wonder why. Okay, this is super side tangent, but I'm wondering why he did not take his dad's last name. Oh, he's one of those. <laughs> Ross Barkley. He would have been Ross Efunga. Say what? Yeah, took his mother's name last name. Maybe because it's not Efunga. <laughs> <laughs> Also, why does this Wikipedia page not note, not even, not even (laughs) mention this? I don't know. Yeah, his dad is Peter Efunga. Maybe his dad was just an absentee father. Mm, Could be, could be. Mm, 
Yeah, uh, Chelsea, or I mean Everton. Uh, last home win came on match day 10 against West Ham. Yeah, no, they've been bad. Yeah, last year... Uh, let's see, when was the last meeting between the sides? It was in the FA Cup, the last meeting. The semi-final, Anthony Martial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but that's two different managers, two different styles. It's, yep. You can't even compare it. Mm. Let's head into our scoring predictions. And uh, we'll kick things off with Manchester City against Chelsea. Uh, hmm. 3-1 Chelsea. I'm buying into the Aguero. Super hype. He scores a lot of goals, but I think Chelsea's going to pull it out still. They're, they're just better at this point. Uh, I don't... I... Even though they conceded against Tottenham, that was like a bit of brilliance from Ericsson, and not that Aguero isn't also capable of that. I think, well, I don't know. It is at the Etihad. Yep. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two one Chelsea. Yeah, fuck. That was what I was going with, but <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather go on with Elliot than go on with Sam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let, well, let me say that once again forgot to read the score. I know. I'm. So I'm gonna do it just now. We all got one result each correct last week. I got Chelsea Tottenham game. Uh, Paulie, you got the Man U West Ham game, and Elliot got the Burnley Manchester City game. Well, one uh, one score line. Yes, exactly. one yes one score line correct. And I had Elliot five did the most score games correct. Yeah, I had five games. Paulie six games. Elliot seven. So there we go. You're almost uh, it's you're, six points above me. He will. He will I break a hundred. If he doesn't become the first one to hit a hundred, something went drastically wrong. No, yeah, that would be. That would, he sits on ninety nine points. Yeah, I could be just like rolling a six sided die for each team's score, and I would probably, hopefully, hit a hundred this weekend. I have ninety three, and Seb might get to eighty this week. And I say might because he's had a couple weeks where he only gets two. Oh, we got we have Rooney standing in for Seb here. It does sound like how Rooney barks at his teammates. <laughs> anyway, we're just going to continue while Seb turns gets his UPS package. Uh, we'll go Sunderland to Leicester. How are we looking at this? I mean, you can't, you can't. Even though, all credit to Sunderland for having a hard-fought game against a top team in Liverpool on the road at Anfield. They still just even, yeah, they just made a total mess of that. And even, uh, you know, other teams that have been struggling this season, like Hull City, I think in that game probably still would have nicked a point even at the stadium of lights. Like less, you got to choose Leicester city in this game. By how much? Uh, I'm going to go two nil. The game before Champions League game, which they haven't even come close to winning all year, but they won the they won the group, so there's just no reason to even think about the Champions League this week. I'm gonna give them a point. Ah, okay. I mean, they like, they did they you know they what? did look good against Liverpool, so yeah, uh, I'll go one one. One nothing Leicester. Oh, right. okay. Then, yes, yeah, I'm back. Yeah, sorry. Uh, some energy company guy was knocking at my door. 
I was like, I don't have time right now. Uh, West Brom against Watford. Watford, Paulie, are they sneaky good? They're no, they're six to they're six to fifteen, which I had to check myself before saying six to midnight, but mm-hmm. they're six <laughs> to fifteen. Yeah, Watford uh, in so eighth. They might West win, they might not. Watford are gonna <laughs> suck the game out of the game. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Um Ooh, West Brom, they're at home too. One nothing West Brom. Elliot. Yeah, that sounds possible, but I I'm I'm gonna say is it is it one nil Watford or is it one all? I'm gonna go one all. I'm actually gonna give West Brom two goals and give them a two one win. Mm. Ah. So mm. congratulations on your point, Watford. Mm. <laughs> you mean on your goal? No. Oh, you mean that Elliot? Yeah, yeah. You are going. I got you. I got you. Got you. Got you. Okay. I mean, that's a one-one, but they'll draw it. Stoke Burnley. Two nil Stoke. They at least make the quality tell in this one, even if they haven't down through most of the season. Mm, No. Burnley gonna get their first away win. Two to one Burnley. I'm going one-one because uh, Stoke and. Turf Moor, Britannia and Turf Moor are not very different stadiums. This is not so much like a Burnley are going to be exposed on like a bigger pitch and have a team overrun them. They do have the potential to lose this game 3-1 because Stoke can be that good, but I haven't seen it out of Stoke yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play the conservative card and go 1-1, and then I'm going to sit back and enjoy Stoke put on an offensive performance. Hey, at least we're all different on one game. That's always fun. Yeah, yeah. Crystal Palace taking on... always wins whenever we're all different. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Crystal Palace, Southampton. Crystal Palace, you know, they started their skid a little bit earlier than they did last season. Um, Or they just never got out of it. Well, they had such a good first half to their season, and then they just fell off the map. Right. They had a good October, and that's it. And now they're (laughs) down in 17th. They're tied with Hull. No, they had a good September. Yeah, their parachute is not big enough this year to sustain that kind of just, like, headlong plunge. Yeah, I mean, they're tied on points with Hull. You know, they're only saving grace is that Hull have been abysmal defensively. Um, so, yeah, Southampton, they'll take this. Um, let's get some goals in there, too. So, let's go 3-2 Southampton. Mm, That's not a one. I'm yeah. going to though, because I like Southampton's defense. Yeah, I. That was the that was the scoreline I was leaning towards. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with two nil Southampton. Okay, then we got Tottenham Swansea as the. Uh, what was that? An ambulance, Polly? That that was that was hey, not me. me here. Oh, this is oh. me. I'm in a real city right now. Okay, guys. well then it's the police. <laughs> Because it's Denver. Yeah. Did you see what? Uh, did you see what Marcio Pochettino said today? No. What did no. he say today? He said after we sold Sigurdsson to um, to Swansea, we realized he was the perfect player for our team. Yeah, he like, was. Or we a... realized he's perfect. And my response, my friend sent me that text, and my response was, "Quote: After we sold Ronaldo to Real Madrid, we realized he was probably worth more than eighty million. Yep. End quote. Mm-hmm. Sir Alex Ferguson, probably. Yep." Yeah, Sigurdsson, he, I mean, he is the one little bright light for Swansea. It's not going to be enough to beat Tottenham. 
Spurs disappointed after losing in the Derby last week. I think they got some goals in them, so I'll go 4-1 Tottenham. I'm going to go 3-1. Sorry, I, I just had to, with both hands, pick my jaw up off the floor after Seb suggested that Spurs, who haven't been able to score for jack crap recently, we're going to hit four in this yeah. game. I understand Swansea can't defend, but Spurs don't give up goals. So I'll go 2-0 I'll go mainly because Swansea can't defend, but I really wanted to go 1-0. But we'll go 2. Mm-hmm. Then West Ham Arsenal. God. Yeah, this is a tough one. It's not tough. Give me three-one to the Arsenal. West Ham can't play in their home stadium. Don't forget that. But, but Arsenal also can't defend. I'm going to say two-one. Yeah, that's why they're getting a goal. That's yeah. why West Ham is getting <laughs> a goal. All right, two-one Arsenal. Yeah, two-one Arsenal. Unless fans start fighting in the stadium, then then all bets are off. Then maybe West Ham will will get a point out of this. Yeah, or they'll just abandon the game and it's three nothing Arsenal and we all have it wrong. Um Bournemouth, they host Liverpool. No Coutinho. No Coutinho. He'll be out for up to fifth five weeks. Yeah. Uh so not a, as bad as first thought. No, but it's still yeah. a you know It's a pretty, blow. It's, it's a, a blow, blow, but it's not it's not a death blow. No. Yeah, that's the early game on Sunday. Uh hey. Yo, I'll do. Uh, two nothing Liverpool. I think, I think that they're gonna bounce back from their mediocre performance and just light up Bournemouth. I, I mean, I think this is gonna be the Liverpool roller coaster. Uh, not quite that much, but I'm gonna say four one. Yeah, I don't think so. 2-1, because it's at Burnley. That's not exactly a conductive environment for Liverpool to really run free in. So I'll say 2-1. Yeah. I wish I would have seen what we predicted for the Swansea Crystal Palace game. Yeah, we didn't predict it high. Because that (laughs) that game having nine goals in it, that was amazing. Right. Also, I mean, also, Liverpool, they, they need to figure out how to play without Coutinho. Yep. Uh, my friends actually said we need Lana back quickly, like really soon, which was like astonishing that like, it's like Adam Lana, such an average midfielder, but they're really missing him. Mm-hmm. They really are. And he makes them a lot better. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And then Everton, Manchester United. I mean, I'm probably reading in too much, uh, you know, the four, one win over West Ham, but. Well, is Mkhitaryan going to play? If they like, keep, are we going to play yeah. our best players, or are we going to play the guys that Mourinho likes? Yeah, if if they stick with the you know similar team, and I think Mkhitaryan had a phenomenal game against West Ham. I do too, but I think I think Jose is going to be like, yeah, but that was the League Cup. I don't care I if get, it's the I League get, Cup. Just look at the link-up play I, he had with the other players. I, I agree with you, but I'm trying to go into the mind of Jose Mourinho, which doesn't work the way most people, normal people's minds work. It works in a very narcissistic uh, I am better than you and don't tell me otherwise way. And he's like, well, nope, that was League Cup. And this is this is Premier League. Premier League is different from League Cup. And we need to, <laughs> we need to get Jesse Lingard back on the field. <laughs> and playing him on the wrong side. Um... <laughs> he played him on the right side last week. Yeah. He did do that. Yeah. We'll give him credit for that. Okay. 2-1 uh, oh. United. 
Get you. <laughs> Elliot? I... I think... I think Everton are going to eke out... Uh, Boo on you. Eke out a 1-1 one, one draw. Boo on you. <laughs> I'll go 2-0 for the sake of being different from Seb. I just don't see the offense all of a sudden clicking unless Mkhitaryan's there. Yeah. If Mkhitaryan's there, I'd go 4-1, but uh, <laughs> he's not going to be there. And, and, I mean, Everton are just really bad right now. Yeah, so. they are. Yeah, and it was good to but, see. I mean, and and yes. it's going to be hard for them to score because it's not like David De Gea is going to make a colossal error because he only does that like once in a blue moon. And it's already happened twice this year, so you have to think that's not going to happen again. Nope. Mm, then Middlesbrough Hall is the lone game on Monday. Uh, Middlesbrough, they, they win this. Um, I think, yeah, 3 nothing. Give me 1-0 no Middlesbrough call today. Hall can't <laughs> defend for worth crap. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give him two goals. 2-0 two no Middlesbrough. There you go. So, put it in stone. Uh, probably within the first six minutes, Hull will put one in the back of the Oh, box. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's uh, been our show for this Friday. Is it Friday? Yeah, this Friday. It is Friday. It is there's, Friday. There's, you're calling me. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Paul is P. Quistel WFAN. Elliot is Keats was better. And then give FanRag Sports a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, have a good one. Goodbye.